0: From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 23rd, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. This episode is a pandemic-style pod with politics, business, and health news for you. For politics, we have the latest from Senator Lindsey Graham's trip to Israel. Congressman Jim Clyburn shares his thoughts on the ongoing Republican speakership chaos in Congress. And we also have a look at unemployment in the state and the state's economy with regional economist Laura Ulrich. And then in health, I speak with Dr. Eugene Chang, an OBGYN at MUSC, about maternal mortality rates and how the six-week abortion ban law is affecting pregnant women two months since the state Supreme Court ruling. Now, I know it's spooky season out there, but don't be afraid to call us at 803-563-7169 about what you're doing, what's going on out there. Uh, We can talk about how trunk or treats are lame. I mean, that's the hottest take I got for you right now. Parents, why don't you give me a call and tell me what you think. 803-563-7169. Let the kids run the streets. Call us while you're out trick-or-treating. We'd love to hear from you guys. Like I said, we're giving y'all a pandemic-style pod today. That's right. Politics, economics, and health. It's a meet-in-three, or er, a wind-down-in-three kind of pod, folks. That's right. So let's start off for the first of three and take you to Israel, specifically Tel Aviv, where Senator Lindsey Graham was on the ground with nine other senators over the weekend. Graham made it no secret he was planning to visit the country and got them for the ground invasion expected in the coming days. Graham, who is no stranger to war zones, see his multiple trips to Ukraine, is an unwavering supporter of our allies in these global conflicts that have American interests and the rules-based international order at heart. But listen to this audio. You can hear how shaken he is in these clips. He's giving his typical rundown of a situation and even some light jokes, but he's clearly disturbed about what he's seen and heard on the ground in Israel.
1: 10% of the United States Senate is in Israel because we care for five Republicans and five Democrats. If I'd had a bigger plane, we'd have probably brought the entire Senate. Here's our message. To our friends in Israel, we stand with you without apology, unequivocal. I come here because I love Israel. I do not hate Palestinians. I hate Hamas. I know the difference. The goal going forward is to take from this horror and try to make this a better world. I saw things today that I didn't think were possible in 2023. I've seen grown men who've been fighting wars all of their lives be stunned by what they saw. The level of barbaric behavior here is beyond my ability to explain it. What does Hamas mean in English? ISIS. I've seen a lot traveling the world with my friends and my late friend John McCain. I have never seen anything like this in my lifetime.
0: Before the delegation got to Tel Aviv, Graham, along with Maryland Senator Ben Cardin, Chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and others of the delegation were in Riyadh meeting with Saudi Arabia Prime Minister and Crown Prince Mohammed
1: bin Salman and other senior government officials. How does this end? Israel thrives, they survive, Hamas is destroyed and the Palestinian people have a better life. That's how this has to end. So we're here today to give Israel what they need to do the job of destroying the modern-day version of Nazis, Hamas. We're here today to tell Iran we're watching you. If this war grows, it's coming to your backyard. There won't be two fronts, there'll be three. If there's an effort to unleash Hezbollah on the Jewish state to destroy it, my attention will be to Tehran. If these innocent hostages get slaughtered, I hold you, Iran, accountable, because you could stop it if you chose to. The idea that this happened without Iranian involvement is laughable. 93% of the budget over decades, the training, the equipment, all coming from the Ayatollah. I come here to let Israel know that America will be with you. I come here to let the Arab world know, let's make peace if we can. Destroying Hamas is non-negotiable. How we do it, let's talk. Grams said the Iranians unleashed
0: holy hell on Israel to stop the movement toward a more stable Middle East with Saudi Arabia and Israel normalization efforts up in the air. Now let's jump from the Middle East to the disarray in D.C. where the U.S. House of Representatives remains impotent as it goes on three weeks without a leader and weeks to go until the government could run out of money. Hmm, Sounds like an appealing job, right? Who wouldn't want that job? Well, another candidate bit the dust with Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan failing a third and final time last week to secure the votes necessary for the gavel. He was backed by all six South Carolina Republicans. Now, nine Republicans are vying to lead the divided chamber of 221 Republicans and 212 Democrats. A vote to narrow down the list of nine is set for Tuesday.
2: The narrowing.
0: (laughs) Uh, just democracy in the balance. Now, House Assistant Democratic Leader Jim Clyburn was on MSNBC's The Sunday Show with Jonathan Capehart, such an original name. I wonder what day of the week that was on. And Clyburn was looking ahead at another week of turmoil facing the chamber's Republicans, while Democrats continued to vote united in support of their minority leader, Hakeem Jeffries.
2: This is not hard. All this is is saying that we have a big country, uh, a country of diverse thought, uh, we are represented in this country by 435 members of the House of Representatives, uh, and about half of them are Democrats, and about half are Republicans. And so let's uh, manage the House in reflection of that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there any chance,
3: because who knows what's going to happen with the with the vote that's slated for Tuesday, is there any chance that Speaker Pro Tem um, McHenry could be the next could be a permanent speaker, or at least have his duties expanded so that y- y- y'all can get some stuff done.
2: Well, Leader Jeffries made it very clear uh, last week uh, that that was something uh, that he was amenable to. Uh, and I think he had, in fact, I know that he had the caucus uh, support in that. So, sure, uh, McHenry is a, a North Carolinian. Uh, The South Carolinians consider that to be a Northerner. uh, (laughs) He's a good guy uh, who uh, recognizes uh, the diversity of this country. And that's what you learn uh, here in the Carolinas, uh, that the country is big, it's diversified, uh, various thoughts. And you work with people uh, with different thoughts than you have. Mm -hmm. And so McHenry is that kind of person, though I don't think he wants it. He's made it very clear. It's not something uh, that he wants. Uh, but I suspect that if enough Republicans and enough Democrats were to say uh, that maybe we want you, uh, he might change his mind.
0: Capehart then asked Clyburn how Congress will pass President Joe Biden's $106 billion supplemental funding request for national security priorities like Ukraine, Israel, and the southern border.
2: I don't think we can get, get it done without a speaker unless uh, we were doing something of a temporary nature, expand uh, the authority uh, of McHenry. Uh, as he operates in this pro tempore uh, capacity uh, in order to get this and a few other things mm-hmm. done. Uh, it doesn't say you have to do it on a permanent basis, uh, but you make adjustments. Uh, we are living in a pretty precarious time, and we have got uh, to do the people's business. We are there to do things on behalf of the American people. And that's why we Democrats are forever saying we must put people over politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't keep this focus on our politics. My Republican friends have got the focus of the country on their politics. Eight people seem to be the tail wagging the dog of over 200 people. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
0: Clyburn there referring to the eight Republicans who voted to oust former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy earlier this month at the motion of Florida Congressman Matt Gaetz. Or as McCarthy put it Friday, the crazy eights led by Gates.
4: Oh,
3: brother.
0: The house is scheduled to be on recess October 27th through November 6th. But the lead magic eight ball says, LOL. I'm going to throw this eight ball. (laughs) Ooh, sorry, AT. (laughs) Looking for a new producer. Locally, early voting has started for local municipal races. That's right. Check your sample ballot at scvotes.org to see what's happening in your neck of the woods. There's likely a city or county council race or a mayor's race like down in Charleston or up in hashtag Yeah That Greenville. Okay. Election day itself is November 7th. I know there is a Columbia City Council election that I need to read up on. Also in the Columbia area on October 24th is the primary for state Senate District 19. This is the race to fill the seat held by the late Senator John Scott six Democrats are vying for the nomination in the primary. A special election for the seat will be held on January 2nd, a week before the legislative session returns. move into our little business section here. You may remember we had a big econ pod the other day. Econ pod. With research economist Dr. Joy Von Nessen and South Carolina Realtors CEO Nick Kramitis. If you didn't catch it, I highly recommend it. Now in that vein, we're catching up with Laura Ulrich, a regional economist with the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. Laura was on a media call last week discussing the state of the regional economy as well as the robust labor market that the state still faces with September unemployment dropping to 2.9% from 3% in August. But don't take it from me. Listen to Laura. Sorry the audio quality is a little like it's on the phone because it was.
4: I was at a conference earlier this week and spoke alongside the director of SDDU, and he reported there were over 120,000 jobs open in South Carolina right now. And that's a really big number of jobs when you think about there's only 2.3 million jobs in the state. But also, um, as of the report today, there are only 71,700 unemployed people in the state. So, you know, even if all of those people found jobs, we would still have more jobs that remained open. Um, And so because of this, most companies are reporting that hiring has gotten better than it was, like, say, a year ago, but it still remains more difficult than it was pre-2020. So, you know, we're not seeing softening employment as we might have expected with such high levels of inflation. Um, but I think the fact that inflation is coming down, prices are stabilizing without loss of jobs, without increases in the unemployment rate is a positive sign. Um, that being said, I think the longer term path is, is still a little uncertain. Um, but I, I think I think some of this does shared that a soft landing is at least possible.
0: South Carolina is down at nearly a full percentage point from the national unemployment rate of 3.8% and the labor force participation rate is maintaining at 57%. Also, the average hourly earnings rate in the state is now $30.07 an hour. If you're not making that, maybe you should uh, tell your boss to up the ante there. Now, it's not just the labor market that remains resilient, but also consumers continue to spend even though poll after poll has people complaining about the economy and inflation. So how does this all mesh? I asked Laura what she tells people when they ask her about when things will cool down.
4: I think if you were to Google what real consumption looks like, like if you were to look at, you know, the, the Fed spread charts on real consumption, to me, that's the story, right? I mean, even, so I, I I tell people that don't know a lot about economics, you know, when you think about real consumption, think about how much is in your shopping cart, right? Like think about the total shopping cart of things you buy. And even in the, in the face of, inflation consumers have put more in their shopping carts, which is pretty incredible right really what has driven a lot of that i think is is a lot of the the savings that people had during covid right and some of that was because they the pullback in consumption originally in 2020 and then some of it was from the stimulus that came in not just for stimulus payments but also PPP loans and every other type of stimulus you can think of um there are lots of different types but um the so real consumption has been really strong.
0: And are you buying more, less, the same? Have you already started shopping for the holidays? Let us know about your spending habits at 803-563-7169. Unlike big data, we're asking you for this data. Data! I also wear large-in shirts, 34 waist, 32 inseam, and I'm preferential to the color blue. If you guys are looking, I also need a butter dish. <laughs> And now to our health portion of the podcast. We look at maternal mortality rates in South Carolina. And to do that, I spoke with Dr. Eugene Chang, an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist at the Medical University of South Carolina. We caught up on this week in South Carolina to talk about the increasing maternal mortality rates, as well as what it's like for women in South Carolina now some two months since the state Supreme Court upheld the six-week abortion ban law, which has exceptions for fatal fetal anomaly and for the life and health of the mother. I opened our conversation by asking about the 22 pregnancy-related deaths in 2019, which is a rate of 38.6 deaths per 100,000 live births. That is a jump of 9% from 2018. Here's Dr. Chang.
5: I think the first thing that, and something that I've learned by participating in review of all these mortalities is that you know most of the time for an obstetrician, when you hear about a maternal death, you know, the things that most of us picture is a patient who has severe bleeding or something like a heart attack or stroke right around the time of delivery. And certainly those things can happen. But thankfully, to be honest, I think we're making a lot of headway, particularly in the area of hemorrhage. And so what's happening is now we're recognizing if we spread out sort of looking at pregnancy as a factor in a patient's passing away, and we, we, take patients a year out from their pregnancy and kind of look and see what happened and led to their, their death, then, then we do see pregnancy as an issue. And so in the postpartum patients, um, certainly things like uncontrolled blood pressure issues can lead to death, but a big chunk of what we see is related to um, psychiatric disease and uh, substance abuse. And so a lot of overdoses uh, unfortunately. And you know those are all things where you know, the the question is really is pregnancy a driver of that death? No, but is pregnancy something that was a big stressor on the patient that led them to that point? The answer is probably yes.
0: Yeah, so you're saying the top underlying causes of these maternal deaths are uh, cardiomyopathy, mental health and hemorrhage. Uh, when you do cardiomyopathy and cardiovascular conditions together, that accounts for one in four deaths, according to some reports from DHEC. Right. Um, so how do you get those numbers down? Is that more when it comes to comorbidities with the patient?
5: The the cardiomyopathy part is, is tough because there are patients who develop cardiomyopathy. Um, and you, I don't know that we have any way of predicting who the patient is that's going to develop that. Um, Where I think we struggle is patients will develop something called a peripartum cardiomyopathy. And a lot of times they'll have recovery and actually get better. Um, The problem becomes when they get better and they get pregnant again, they have a risk of recurrence. So, you know, I think addressing, you know, in a sensitive and an honest way with patients, like what their childbearing, you know, plans are in that particular group is important. Um, And then in general, you know, just addressing cardiovascular disease before pregnancy is the most ideal thing we could do. In practice, it doesn't work because in practice, what we typically see is patients show up pregnant, you take a history, and then you find they've got some cardiac issues, most commonly hypertension, so high blood pressure. And again, the good news with that is that can be treated. So, you know, the challenge really um, with respect to heart issues is identifying the patient and you know there are definitely patients we feel like should never be pregnant with certain heart conditions Um, there are patients with heart conditions um, that we see that we feel like if they can get tuned up if you will prior to pregnancy they would do better and so that that's the issue is kind of seeing the patient before it's a hard thing to do honestly if you're a cardiologist following these patients your focus is on the heart and understandably not always on the patient's desires for childbearing. So mm-hmm. it's just something that that we're trying to do is to raise awareness across the board on these issues.
0: And Dr. Cheng, you've been practicing for many years in South Carolina. I want to ask you about the the six week abortion ban law that got upheld by the state Supreme Court. I don't want you to get too political. I know that's not your job, but uh, I just want to ask you what you're seeing. It's been two months now, are women nervous? Um, I know there's some exceptions for fatal fetal anomalies in there, but that takes a lot of hurdles to clear in terms of uh, whether someone has to give birth to a a child with birth defects. Uh, What's what's it like right now on the front lines two months into this?
5: Yeah, I, I think it's difficult. I think none of us really know how to navigate Um, what's going on now. You know, I think the, the, you know, the problem for, as as a physician is understanding, you know, what is really lethal, you know, for a baby and, you know, what are things that are, you know, problematic for moms to the point where a termination of pregnancy is okay. You know, it's, um, I think the legal world and the way a law is written is inherently very different from You know how we think in medicine and i think marrying the two is is, presents a challenge and you know obviously the threat of being charged with a felony is something that weighs on all physicians so i think it is tough um we're all trying to figure it out it's frustrating in the sense that you feel like you kind of understand i mean i feel like i understand where the legislature is coming from you know in the band um, but I, I do think they're just things that we're a little bit more poised to understand seeing these problems day in and day out. And um, I don't know really what the solution is. You know, I, I do think somehow physicians need to be more involved because, you know, like I said, the, the laws are written with lawyers in mind, but not physicians in mind, and it makes it really hard to provide care.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you had any complicated situations in the past two months due to the law?
5: I have not personally, but yes, I mean, you know, part of my job is, you know, fielding a lot of questions and then, we, you know, we get a lot of questions about, you know, just what, you know, like I said, I think defining lethal is is tough, you know, and um, that's probably the question that comes up the most, you know, I've seen a baby with this problem, is this lethal, Mm -hmm. you know? And the answer is, well, it's a complicated answer. So Mm -hmm. it it makes it for a tough, tough discussion.
0: You can hear that entire conversation as well as my interview with state epidemiologist Dr. Linda Bell about the respiratory virus season on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Wash your hands, guys, please. You can always catch me on This Week in South Carolina, Fridays at 7.30 p.m. and Sundays at 1.30 p.m. on ETV stations statewide don't watch Sunday football folks I know Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift tune into G (laughs) come to ETV Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. This is our chance. This is our chance for us to talk to you.
3: Down AT. here, it's our chance. It's this our my chance time. down here. It's my time oh my down gosh. here. Quoting Goonies.
0: A.T. Shire, yes, of course, I know that. Uh, I'm referencing that because I, speaking of Corey Feldman, was watching... Mm-hmm. Lost Boys last night. What a movie. What Love a movie. movie. You Love go right movie. into it. Vampires. You yeah. know, what's his face? Uh, Tina Turner's saxophone
3: player. Just like oh, the sax out. player. Yeah. The, he's a vampire too, right? No, it's never really mentioned. But I, in my- I think m- it's inferred. I like, yeah, it's inferred. Heavily inferred that he is a vampire sax player, right? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of went down a deep dive and learned a lot about the Tim
0: Tim Capello. Mm-hmm. Our, it's a great guy. Um. Just trying to understand a little bit more of the uh, the folks in that movie, and like you know, who did what, and Corey Haim and Corey Feldman and the Corys. A lot the Corys. of you know, there's a lot of issues there. I didn't know a lot of yes. abuse that went on. I was like, okay, I think I've read too much. Mm-hmm. Um, look at you, Charlie Sheen, on that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've I've been on this kick because I've seen you know, a Spooky season and I'm trying to watch it more is. Halloween movies. Yeah, and I'm you know I'm I'm kind of chained to HBO Max and Amazon Prime and I'm kind of running out of things to watch. It's not, those aren't
3: the best ones. They're really have, not. I have, I have uh, to, I've know. been, I've started watching, uh, what is it, The Fall of House Usher right. or we something on that. Netflix. It's okay. It's not as good as Hill House. It's definitely not as good as uh, Midnight Mass, but uh-huh. it's well acted. It's just a little slow for me. It's kind of funny because you and I were at a wedding this weekend. Okay, yeah, this is what we're getting into. Gavin <laughs> had the, uh, a wedding extravaganza a weekend. Yes. so. Which which
0: Is rare, you know. I have nine weddings this year. That's too many. I I keep telling everyone. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm like, "Listen, folks. Unlike some of my contemporaries, I haven't had that many weddings. I've had a couple family weddings. So I would say for the past six or seven years combined
3: equals this one year. Oh, really? I I I have not had that many weddings. I had uh, the nine the nine wedding year. In like, when I was like 26, twenty six, twenty seven, yeah. you know, there there have been some second weddings since then. I'm not gonna lie, and said, yeah. you could smell them a mile away while you're at the wedding. Wow, wow, it's the type of stuff where I look at Caitlin, and I go, "We're not coming to the second one." <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first. what and done. I got, I got an uncanny nose for these things. But like, anyway, we're happy they got
0: divorced. But uh, we're Gavin. not coming to that. Anyway,
3: one. Gavin. Yeah. So let's go. Your first let's wedding. Go. Let's go. Friday night. Yo, let's go. I can't stand God. Yeah. <laughs> please yell anything else. Gavin, how was your first wedding? It was wonderful. You know, it was
0: supposed to be a really nice weekend, and the weather was going to be a little dicey on Friday, and it was. It was because, beyond a little dicey. Yeah, especially when the bride walked out because it was outside down here hail. in downtown Columbia. We didn't have any of the hail but the the wind kicked up and the rain came down and luckily they had a big tent because mm-hmm. apparently they weren't planning on having one earlier in the week and sure enough they got one in time. Plenty
3: of room under the big tent. The
0: worst part, not the worst part <laughs> but like the biggest. <laughs> yeah, it was a big circus tent. <laughs> um, but there was a whole, like one thing that happened was there was a whole table of like champagne coupe glasses stacked mm-hmm. up with a big toast and I think they were full of limoncello and they just blew <laughs> Blew right over. You heard all, you're like, <laughs> and um, I mean, it was, it was still sweet. You know, it's still fine. You get along with it. You just figure it out. Though The reception like calmed down uh, once the rain stopped. And then it of was just the cold rec- after yeah, that. It was chilly, but, but you know, honestly, wraps and the dance floor was hot though. The you type know? of, so. that,
3: that type of wedding I almost like sometimes just as for, as like a little flavor, like you're not going to be in many like uh weather disaster weddings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's sort of fun.
0: And it had cleared up and it was just a really kind of a freak thing. So it was it was very random uh, to experience that. But then every now and then there'd be like a gust of wind and something would blow over. But it was fun. It was fun. They had a band. Uh, we made it to a late night afterwards and I, I held it all together. So mm. I was very happy with myself. And then... Of course, the next day, producer Sean's, producer Sean's,
3: wedding. Sean's wedding. We love and him.
0: He was very fortunate because he had a great full it day of was beautiful sun.
3: Gorgeous. It was like seventy-seven Perfect. and sunny all yeah. day. It was a. Ama- it was nicer outside than inside. You yeah, know he, what I mean. And he had like uh, you know the like great little venue, mm-hmm. good sized crowd. Everything was very chill. It there was, was a lot so. Of love. Re- it was so yeah. relaxing. Uh, but the I I think. I th- I was in the wedding, yes, and I do think it was all an elaborate ruse mm-hmm. to make me wear a suit to it this wedding. It was the
0: best, folks. Ugh,
3: I hated it. Need to
0: share that fact. I told him we'd share it on our socials. We'll, we'll put it
3: on Twitter. If you want to yeah. see it, you okay. go on Twitter. Please put a, a black bar over my eyes so no one knows who I am.
0: <laughs> it was the best. I was like, oh, this is what I'm here for. Uh, but we were at a table together, and we were talking to the other people at the table. It was three other people mm-hmm. and your wife, Caitlin. And everyone's like, so what are you watching? What are you watching? I was like, oh, this is what small talk is like. Yes, it it's was. It's been a ve- since it I've had some of that. Very, very small, small talk. Millennial. Yeah, yeah, I, w-
3: I was like, ooh, wow. Yeah, this is, uh, no one has anything in common at they- this table. <laughs>
0: But then, like, you know, we kind of went back to just like us talking. And then there were some good speeches. And uh, there was some candy.
3: Then we we all sampled the macaroons together. Macaronis. Yeah. Macaronis. Uh, but uh, it-, it was really. They were so deceptive. It was... There was a red one. That was the apple cinnamon. Yeah, it was strange. But there was also, like. I, you know you're getting older when one of one of the biggest things of this wedding. Caitlin looked over at me and she goes, "Oh, this is such an efficient wedding," and she loved it. Oh, oh yeah, it really was. It was. It was I, great. To that
0: end, talking about how the conversation we're having at the table. Surprisingly, we did not talk about real estate. <laughs> you know, like I mentioned in that last pod, the econ pod. Yeah. Everyone's always like, "Oh yeah, so like." Maybe it's because we were like at a wedding and we weren't surrounded by houses or something. I like, don't know. Can you believe that house in the street? Like no Ooh, one. Talk. What do you think? Don't no have that, that opportunity yeah. to talk about that. If we we're on the water, you better believe. What do you think they did? Like, uh, oh, what do they do for a me. Yeah, and then we have Halloween this week, and I'm still trying to figure out what to wear. and I don't I think don't, I have any idea what to I I'm don't wear.
3: know. I'm, I am definitely not a dresser-upper. Every time uh, there was ever a party, I would just wear the same you do, normal that's clothes. That's thing, yeah. I wear the same clothes, so you cannot tell what year the photo was taken. And uh, Interloper. It, it bought. Oh, I'm a big-time interloper. <laughs> and I remember one year, Caitlin didn't know what to wear. And, Gavin, maybe you should do this. Yeah. She had... A uh, white and blue striped shirt. I was yeah, like, right. "We'll get you a beret, yeah. and you carry a baguette around." You're I, French. I, I might do the Caitlin <laughs> Frenchman,
0: <laughs> especially because it. Meg Connard is traveling right now in France.
3: Yes, as is my Mazja. And uh, I'm expecting gifts from everybody. Baguettes, size large. Baguettes, baguettes, size large. I don't know if you're a euro large. Okay, you don't oh, want to I'm feel n- bad. I'm not. It's always yeah. very snug. Those when are I like bring those bad boys. They're like mediums. I'm like, um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Gavin. Uh, that's all the time. We're, we're going to do a trunk or treat at the end of this. Trunk episode. or treat, folks. Okay, stop by. Give us some candy. So, we need uh, more sugar. Do the outro so we can get our these. Let's pop these trunks open. Oh, up. oh okay? also, folks, there's a treat coming for you this week. Oh yeah, on the pod feed. Oh yeah. We're gonna we're gonna just drop we're a little treat. A little treat, in, a little treat in. So just keep your eyes open, okay? Please listen to it. Please go back and listen to it, share it with your friends or your kids. It's gonna that be South Spooky. Spook- south spooky. Spook- spook- <laughs> okay, we're gonna pick an episode, put it out there. Anyway, Gavin, do the outro. We love everyone. Bye. Uh, tell us your favorite South of Spooky episode. Maybe you want us to do some more episodes, which
0: we're planning on next year. Don't hamper our process, folks. But let us know uh, some spooky stories, what you're doing for Halloween, all that good stuff. 803-563-7169. You can also leave us a message on Apple Podcasts, and you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org, and don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. You can also catch me on This Week in South Carolina. (laughs) That's good at the end, isn't it?